Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Greetings to you, brothers and sisters. If you have been following our series on the subject of exorcism, you probably have learned a lot by the grace of God, and you have one question on your mind. How do we move on from here? What can the church do to respond? Of course, for us to answer that question, it is important that I refresh your mind about what we've been discussing first and foremost that we've been looking at the subject of exorcism or deliverance within the context of the church in Africa, which has become a very, very controversial area in the ministries of the church. Not only is it popular and determining church growth and numbers these days, but there are also reported cases of abuse of all shades that are happening under the guise of the ministry of deliverance. We noted that so many believers in the church in Africa are not sure where they stand when it comes to the ministry of deliverance or exorcism. They have so many unanswered questions and they haven't found exactly what the Bible says about these questions. Some of the Christians in Africa are very much worried about demons and demon possession and they continue to wonder whether they might be possessed or under the control of a demon for so many different reasons. Some of them have been told that even if you are a believer, you can still be demon-possessed. Some of them have been told that if you have some unrepented sin in your life, it's an open door for the demons to come back and torture you and oppress you. Some have been told that if you had family that say was involved in witchcraft or occultism, there may be generational curses that are following you. And most of these teachings, as we noted in the earlier talks, is that they thrive on misinterpreted scriptures that have been taken out of context and twisted to mean what the leaders want them to mean. We looked at the dangers of unbiblical exorcism, looking at what happens when exorcism goes wrong, when it follows an unbiblical methodology, when it is founded on principles that are not derived from scripture, when it is based on subjective personal experience instead of the unchanging word of God, so much harm can come out of this kind of ministry. It can shake the security and safety of believers and their identity in Christ, which is why it is very important that this subject be explored much further, that believers may not only know about the devil and what he does, but more importantly, they may know about the sovereignty of God and the victorious nature of Christ's work that has been done on our behalf as believers. And as we come to the conclusion of this series, we must be asking ourselves the question, how do we move on from here? How should the church respond as against how it has been responding today? How can the church not only form believers who are mature to discern error from truth, but believers who are confident in their faith and who they have become in Christ, that they will not be vulnerable to the deceptions of false teachers and opportunistic pastors today, but even more so they can help and guide their loved ones and church members to stand firm in the same faith that they have come to believe. We would like to say, 
that there are a number of things that the church can do, that God's people can do in order to stand firm in the truth and stay away from the deceptions that are coming from unbiblical deliverance ministries that we are seeing in Africa today. Number one is that the church must go back to preaching and proclaiming the gospel, that God's people must understand how they are saved, who saves them, to what extent he saves them, why he saves them, how he saves them. And when they understand that the whole gospel is proclaimed and received within the context of God's unmerited favor or God's grace, then they begin to realize that their living as believers has nothing to do with their anointing on their pastor, has nothing to do with the different practices they are performing in church, has nothing to do with the devil and what he used to do with them anymore, because now as recipients of God's grace, they have not only been delivered from the sin that once threatened eternal judgment against them, they have also been delivered from the power of Satan and his demons. When the gospel is not truly and fully preached, you have a generation of converts that are undiscipled, that are ungrounded, that do not have the whole counsel of God's will and are therefore likely to be deceived, especially on areas where their church has not taught them or discipled them, that God's gospel of grace must be taught. And this is not just a gospel for salvation from sin. It is a gospel that is holistic. It saves you from sin. It keeps you from sin. And it finally delivers you out of a sinful world when you die and go to be with the Lord for all eternity. Number two is that the church must go beyond just the proclamation of the gospel, which results into the conversion of sinners, but begin to preach for discipleship and discernment. By discipleship, we mean believers who have been brought to maturity as they continue to daily study, interact, reflect on God's word, and seek to practice it and live it out in their day-to-day -day lives. Men and women, full of the Holy Spirit, walking in obedience to Christ as they discover his word and will in the scriptures. By discernment, we are talking about people who are not only grounded in what is true, but over time have learned the skill of differentiating between what is true and what is error, between what is right and what is wrong. And as Charles Spurgeon has famously said, the difference between what is right and what is almost right. When the church emphasizes the teaching of believers, it disciples its members, it grounds them in God's truth. Members grow in God's grace. They develop the confidence not only to know the gospel and affirm it, but to proclaim it and clarify it from distortions and those who misunderstand it. It is those kinds of people that will be firm in their faith, that will not be deceived by self-appointed pastors, who claim that believers are possessed and therefore need help, and usually they provide that help on their own terms, which results in a variety of abuses as we saw in the earlier series. The church must not only preach, and teach for discipleship and discernment, but the church must also teach its members how to interpret the scriptures. You may have noticed that promoters of deliverance and exorcism will often use Bible verses 
But most of these Bible verses contradict one another. They are selectively cited. They are twisted to bring about the meaning that the pastor or the man of God intends and not necessarily what it was meant to be. And when the Bible is taken out of context and the scriptures are twisted, believers cannot grow. And this becomes a challenge when believers have not been taught how to understand and interpret their Bibles. Many believers in Africa today have been in Christianity for years, but they remain immature and converts like they came to Jesus just two days ago. They hold Bibles of different types and shades, but very few have really opened their pages. And even those who have opened them, we are never taught how to read the Bible, how to understand it, how to look at its consistent themes that cut through the whole Bible. They've never been given a covenantal framework for understanding God's word for his creation. And because of that, even when they read Bibles, they read it in a scattered, selected way that eventually they never get the overarching theme and applications that are meant to be drawn out. The church needs to put an emphasis on Bible interpretation, teaching its members to see how the Bible holds together, how the different books of the Bible in their different settings and examples and time periods continue to provide the same message, the same theme that the same God is giving his people. Interpretation is very important. When Bible interpretation goes wrong, cults thrive, false teachers increase, as we are seeing in our churches today, through the unbiblical practices and excesses of the deliverance ministry or exorcism today. We have several Bible passages that most of these pastors will take for granted. But we also have several Bible passages that, for instance, they will jump or they will not emphasize and therefore mislead their members. Passages about repentance and confession of sin, for instance, are neglected or bypassed, and instead of teaching people to own up to their personal sin and repent and find reconciliation with God, they are told that it's demons that led them to do those kinds of sins that they were involved in. And instead of repentance, they are called for deliverance. There is no sense of ownership of their sin. Guilt is downplayed, and therefore God's people are not able to recover a relationship with God that is upright and enriching for them. We have to make sure that our members in our churches today are continually reminded of the believer's identity in Christ Jesus, that they recognize that Jesus has not just saved them and then walked away leaving them with the pastor to do whatever the pastor wants. But Jesus who has saved them will uphold them, will guide them, will lead them, will provide for them, will preserve them, will protect them, until the very end, that the good work he has begun in them, he must complete it until that final day. That Jesus Christ is not just the Savior, but he is also the Lord. He doesn't just call us out of sin, but he goes further and leads us into a life of righteousness and purity and holiness, the kind that is pleasing to God. That Jesus who continues to lead us, has not only purchased our salvation, but all the blessings and privileges of the kingdom have become ours in Christ Jesus, including safety and security from demonic activity and work. 
Now there might be instances where believers will be oppressed by Satan or challenges and trials may come their way, but these have been allowed by God for the purpose of sanctifying his people, drawing them closer, making them dependent upon him and grateful for his grace, and they work for the good of the believers, not against them. That believers who know who they are in Christ Jesus will not submit to the schemes and deceptions of Satan. They do not even give him a hearing because they are no longer under his management. Rather, they are under new management of which Christ Jesus is head, of which Christ Jesus is Lord. Believers must be reminded that not everyone is called to cast out demons. That believers have been called for the express mandate of the Great Commission, the making of disciples of all nations. Now in the process of bringing the gospel to the nations, you might encounter demon-possessed people and God by his grace and authority, you pray for them and they are delivered. But that's not the reason you get your Bible and go out every day to look for demons to cast out. You go out to bring people into the kingdom, to proclaim the good news of the gospel of God's grace. And in the process, you encounter demonic experiences or people who are victims of demonic oppression and possession, and you pray for them and wisdom, and they are delivered to the glory of God. But that's not the priority. It is not biblically true that every believer has been called to cast out demons. Just as you know that different people have been given different giftings, have been called to serve God in different ways, given different enablements by the same Spirit for the building of the Church of God to unity and maturity, it is possible that God might have given you several other gifts apart from praying for people to be delivered from demons. So if you are not involved in the ministry of deliverance, do not feel guilty as though you are lacking something to be complete in Christ. What makes you complete are not the gifts that you receive. It is the finished work of Jesus Christ that he has done on your behalf, calling you into an everlasting relationship with God the Father. Believers must also be reminded that the single most mandate that they are called to execute, as we said earlier, is the Great Commission the making of disciples of all nations, that that is to be our passion, our desire, our goal, the driving factor of the believer's life, that ours is to be ambassadors of the kingdom, proclaiming the gospel, calling many unto the Lord Jesus, and as we do that, the Lord will continue to deliver his people and to save his people with or without us. We read in Mark 16, towards the end of the chapter there, around verse 19, and we are told that the disciples went out and proclaimed the gospel, and daily that Jesus was among them, performing miracles and wonders, confirming everything they said. The disciples did not go out to look for demons to cast out. The disciples went out to preach the gospel, but Jesus was among them, and as faithfully they proclaimed the gospel, Jesus was confirming the gospel they were preaching with signs and wonders. Does that mean that we cannot pray for people who are demon-possessed when we find them? No, we are called to pray for their deliverance and their freedom. But more importantly, we are called to deliver them from bondage to sin and eternal destruction. And as we faithfully fulfill the Great Commission, Jesus backs up what we are preaching and saying by delivering his people. We need to be very careful of pastors who claim that every problem you have as a believer is attributed to demons and are quick to deliver you. 
There are so many reasons why you may be suffering and going through trials. It may be because you have sinned and you need to repent and be reconciled to God. It may be like the case of Job where your faith is being tested and you will prove it as God guides you and you persevere in the faith. It may truly be that there are some demonic oppression that needs to be prayed uh, for in the company and fellowship of other believers as they stand with you in prayer. Not every challenge or crisis or problem or calamity or death in the family is necessarily to be attributed to the work of demons. And the ability to be able to discern the difference is what we call Christian maturity. That the body of Christ in Africa must grow to that level where we can easily discern the differences in things that we experience and we go through in everyday life as we stand on the promises of God's word. Beware of pastors who will ask you for money before they can pray for you. We do not find anywhere in the scriptures a requirement that anyone should pay money in order for the pastor to pray for them. We are aware of several pastors that have been abusing their church members, claiming that they have the power to deliver them or to break bondages that are hindering their progress, but that that must be done on condition that they pay in some money to the man of God. There is no biblical precedence for that. There is no biblical teaching for that. And we must be careful to obey what the Bible tells us that we should do and be, rather than what we just hear from pastors and church leaders. That's not to discredit pastors and to say we should shun their advice, but their advice must be brought under the searchlight of scripture. That the pastor's advice is only godly to the extent that it conforms with the teaching of scripture and consistently so. If a pastor is advising you to do something that does not have a grounding in scripture, you should be able to discern it and to gently and graciously say no or disagree with him because to agree with him and to follow an biblical teaching or counsel would be to make yourself vulnerable, to hurt your Christian faith and maybe even to move away from the path of truth into deception. As we wind up this topic, I want to pray that the Lord would indeed continue to give you the grace to discern. That the Lord would indeed bring you to the scriptures where his word and will are found. That you will not be vulnerable to the popularity of today's deliverance services and begin to go by personal experiences and feelings rather than what the unchanging word of God says. That you would be broken enough to proclaim the gospel of Christ and his kingdom as of first importance wherever you are. And in the process, if God leads you to people that need deliverance or help, that God would give you the ability to discern what is happening in their lives so that you may pray for them or for their deliverance or that you may counsel them for their encouragement or that you may pray with them as they go through some trials and persecutions, remembering that not every suffering is demon-induced. And remembering that knowing what is happening is important because it determines whether you will approach it through deliverance or prayer or counseling or just being there for a friend who needs you at a time of need. Discernment in this kind of ministry is very key. But the discernment can only grow as far as one has been discipled well. In other words, what I am saying is that discipled believers are discerning believers. And discerning believers are able to defend their faith and to protect themselves and their loved ones from the deception of the day. 
The subject of exorcism remains controversial, but God's truth is much more effective and much more important, and God has not left us without direction. He has given us his word. Search the scriptures, study them, pray, be discerning, and may the Lord protect you and your flock as you continue to grow in his presence. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.